This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, joining the show now. The one, the only, you hear him every morning from 6 to 10 alongside David James. He is our good friend Patrick Kinahan. What's up, PK? Oh, I tell you, Jake. Oh, my gosh. I know it's midweek, but I am still barely. I don't even know if I'm barely recovered from the weekend. It was tough. I had a really, really hard weekend this past weekend. What? Well, of course I did. I spent it with Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate. Buzzing. <laughs> Herbo uh, is is in some trouble. All the stuff that's happened throughout his career, all the arrests and all that stuff for the assistant coach, it's uh, it's a gal dancing too close in a bar that uh, gets all the limelight. I know. I can't tell you how many times I've had to avoid that situation. It's like, sweetheart, please, come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> I mean, come on! I'm just trying to sit here for a second. Jeez, well, situation to to a friend of mine. attack him. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you do I know. Get... I'm like uh, Kristen Cinema down there in Arizona. I mean, geez, wow, she tries to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Wait, what? What, what did that one girl say to you that you were so proud of? Are you my boyfriend or something like that? Are you my ex-boyfriend? Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. And I tapped her on the shoulder. I said, "Honey, I could be your ex-father." <laughs> you know, the thing about that is, is wouldn't you remember what your ex-boyfriend looked like? Wouldn't that be something that you would take with you? No. Yeah, but if it's deep into a, a country concert, and you get my drift, and you've been ah, there for a few yeah. hours, <laughs> I see. Yeah, I gotcha. Maybe you're not recognizing many people at that point. Yeah. yeah I, I had a situation. A friend of mine who now works for ESPN. He worked for the uh, Los Angeles Times. I used to work with him in the Daily Breeze, the paper I worked with in California. And we were both going covering the NCAA tournament. And I was with the Utes uh, working for the Watchdog at the time. So we went down to Arizona. And we got in a couple of days early like we normally do. And uh, the Utes were playing on uh, Friday. And so on Thursday, uh, the tournament was playing. And we're going to hook up. And so we went out to uh, a place. And my goodness gracious, the waitress was all over my friend. I mean, it was incredible, right? And we'd been traveling, and I lost track of time. And this gal, I mean, she was just wouldn't stop touching him and stuff. And he he says, oh, I am so tired, man. I got to go. It's been a long day. And I thought, well, I lost track of time. I look at my watch about 10 minutes later, it's 7.15. Well, something's up. And so I go outside, and he's standing there waiting for me. Yeah, man, I couldn't take that gal. She was just way too much. (laughs) Oh, look at the time. Oh, man. I I know, and I thought it was like a quarter to 10. I totally lost track of time because we were traveling that day and blah, blah, blah. He was coming over from Los Angeles. I'm coming up from Salt Lake. Uh, it was funny, a funny deal. So uh, you never know what's out there, but poor Urban. Yeah, I, I suppose. Uh, poor Shelly is more like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, Shell Bell. Yeah, yeah. I miss Shell Bell. That's what I was saying earlier. I met Shell Bell a bunch of times. She was perfectly nice. But remember, Urban, uh, Urban threw her under the bus when he had that controversy with the assistant coach. And now 
Shelley's living this one out, which I'm sure is great. Yeah, well, uh, there there you go. The life of a rock star, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Well, let's talk some college football, PK. Thanks for, for jumping on. And uh, I want to get to some jazz, of course, with you, too. But heard you guys talking this morning on what to expect uh, from uh, from Utah, USC. And I think this is a tough game to talk about because I really, I personally don't know what to expect. USC has been all over the map. And uh, when we talked to Cole Fotheringham on uh, Tuesday, he talked about how he's seen on film that when things are going well for USC, they're, they're in it to win it and they're really enthusiastic. But when it starts going the other way, uh, they have a tendency to, you know, lose focus, I guess you could uh, you could say. But with Utah dealing with what they're dealing with uh, as a program, which is got to be incredibly hard, I don't really know what to expect from them either. So I guess, what can we expect? Well, I don't know that you would know what to expect if the tragedy had not happened because mm-hmm. they haven't been consistent very much at all. I don't think in their last ball game was before the tragedy the tragedy occurred later that night i thought that was one of the worst games they played in which they won Mm. for several years i just didn't think it looked very good you know they were down washington state was to second team quarterback uh delora was out obviously he comes back they win last week right so he gave him a shot in the arm and borgie goes out and until late man they were in danger of losing that game uh, but they won, so that's good. Good for them. So then you combine the death of of Aaron, uh, Lowe, and that's just that's a obviously uh, about as difficult a situation as you could possibly have to deal with, and particularly when you're dealing with younger people. You know, it's not your 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 peers when you're in college aren't supposed to pass, right? right. Obviously, it's not it's just not the natural order of life in the way we think of it. And if your grandparent or your parent were to pass, it would be extremely difficult. And then you got one of your own that is just a very senseless thing, obviously. So how do you how do you factor that in? You can go a lot of different ways. And I don't know that you can say, well, Jake, if you go A, I go B, and Lloyd goes C, and the average youth fan goes D. I don't know that we could say you're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, whatever. Because it's hard to tell because there's a thought process being that this could galvanize a team and bring them closer together and realize uh, life is really precious. And sometimes when you're 21, you don't think about that. You know, if you're 51 or 61 or 71, you probably realize that a lot more. And uh, you take advantage of life because you know time is much shorter Maybe this something is such an eye-opening, heart-wrenching experience draws them closer and brings that out a little bit better than maybe they would be. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I told the – we had Frank Dolce on. I know you guys have him on. We had him on. And we're talking about – I remember in 2003 when I was covering BYU for the Watchdog and I was down there, uh, they had a player who died in July, and they – it was, uh, I think, BYU was their first home game, and they made a presentation with the parents on the field. And he was a local kid, and of course, the parents are extremely distraught, as you can only imagine. And USC went 12 and one. Now, but you know, they had such incredible talent that year, so maybe they would have gone 12 and one no matter what. I, I, the point being is that, man, I don't know which way to go on this. I know that SC, uh, their co- uh, the coach of Williams interim coach his father just died the other day so he's dealing with that uh, so that's Jeez. a distraction yeah obviously. no kidding 
and then everything is a distraction at USC. Uh, last year, was it? No, two years ago when BYU came up and, uh, or not, SC came up to Provo and they beat, uh, uh, BYU beat them in overtime. Slovis' first road yep. game. Somebody asked Clay Helton after the game about distractions and he looked at him and I burst out laughing when he said the answer. He said, we're living in Los Angeles, California. Everything and every day is a distraction. It's just one thing after another. And that's true with your with SC football. Uh, the thing that was dismaying to me is against Oregon State, man. Gosh, I thought they quit. I saw very little luster, energy, anything that you would call uh, positive. It just wasn't there. Now, last week they go beat Colorado, but Colorado stinks. So bad. And so... You've got to really stink to lose to Colorado. And as I've been saying for weeks now, I think Arizona and Colorado, whoever wins that game, that's it. That's the one. And the winner the winner's <laughs> going to go 1-8 and eight in conference, and the other's going to go 0-9. Yeah. and nine. It wouldn't surprise me at all. That's just bad football teams right there uh, for a number of different circumstances. So what SC are we going to have? I think that Utah, I think in my mind, I think they're going to galvanize a little bit and rally. Uh, SC, I'm not sure. Now, I'm not nearly as close, and I don't talk to coaches at SC. So uh, they've got the talent, and if they put the ga- talent together, you know, they'll probably win. Now, just because Utah galvanizes doesn't mean they'll win either. I'm not saying that. I'm not sure. Okay, let's talk about SC for a second. Let's talk about the, the Pac-12 and the league overall a little bit because it's important the direction that SC goes. I mean, if uh, I'm an ACC fan, uh, PK, and uh, they've been a bad football league for a while now. Bad. But Clemson has been so good, it kind of disguises that a little bit, right? And so all of a sudden the ACC has an, a reputation they probably don't deserve. But you look at the Pac-12 and their, you know, their flagship programs can't – well, I mean, Clemson sets a high standard, I suppose. But it can't put it together to be dominant programs. And, you know, I'm thinking Oregon and, and USC and, to a lesser extent, Washington. And you, it's just been kind of bad decisions uh, that you uh, has led USC to be such an unstable program and maybe an underachieving program. So where where do they need to go to to put things back together? Because really, the conference needs them to. Well, I think it starts at the top. I think it's the coach, especially in college. I think that you can have talent, but you've got to get everybody pulled together and they've got to believe that in what you're selling them, they're going to buy remarkably. Uh, they are in completely. I think to a large extent, the Utes have that. And I'll give you an example. Bronco Mendenhall's first year as a head coach, what was it? Was it 2005? Uh, yes, 05. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I'm, I'm still working for the watchdog there, and I'm the beat guy, so I'm there every day. And that was when you could go every day. And you can watch practice every day. I mean, things have changed so dramatically in the 15 years. You know, it just it, now you, they Zoom everything in Provo, and so be it. I understand the circumstances. But I'm just pointing out that you're on top of that program. You're inside, and you're getting conversations with coaches and players off the record virtually every day, if only for a few minutes, right? So he takes over a program that had three losing seasons and was absolutely a mess, Right, we'd all agree, the worst since pre Lavelle Edwards for sure. No one would argue that. 
Program's going in every which direction. Bronco comes in, cleans it up, gets them focused. They win six ball games. Now, you can't tell me that the talent the prior year is that much different, right? There's just no way from 03 to 04 the talent can be that much different, or 04 to 05, I mean, uh, even if you want to include the two years prior. And within two years, he's got them the first of four consecutive years winning double-digit games. Yeah. What's the difference? Was it an influx of major talent? Probably not. What it was, and this is what I believe because I was there on the sidelines every day, I believe it was Bronco unifying that program and pulling it together and saying, this is what we're about, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do. Accountability every single day, every practice, every day. Accountability to yourself, to your family, to your teammates, to your program, everything. Everything is accountable to each other. And SC, I'm not as close to the situation, but I use that as an example, and it seems like they're going in various different directions, especially in a program where you can tell you, well, yeah, we stink this year, man, so I'm going to start worrying about my pro career because I got some money on the line here. And if you're a multi-year starter at USC, you're certainly thinking NFL. It's not going to work out for everybody, but if that's the case and you're starting for two, three years, you're thinking you're going to play in the pros. So I think that's part of the problem. So they need to find someone. And they've had a, all sorts of changes in the athletic director's office, president's office, football coach. They need to pull it together and be who SC is and have everybody on a unifying road going in the same direction as they were when Bronco took over. Even though they only won six games, I think that year and when they won six games – was an absolute remarkable coaching job, like Jerry Sloan did after the statues left, and they won what forty-one, forty-two games, whatever yeah. that was. When they were picked and, to win so nine, I, <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's that's what it's all about. And they've got to get somebody at the top who has complete and total command, and we'll see if they can get it. And there's no reason why they shouldn't, but obviously they haven't had it. Who's the best team in the league right now? Sun Devils. Is that your answer, or is that PK's answer? <laughs> My final answer. <laughs> um, I'll throw out the Beavs. Are the Beavs the best? I don't know that there is a best. You There's were right about Stanford. Best. Stanford's better this year. You called that. I think it's a week-to-week proposition. I really do. It's too early to say. I can give you a number one, but it's temporary. Yeah. Devils are number one in the South right now, but what are they going to do this week? They they totally self-imploded against BYU. We saw it for 60 minutes. It was an absolute embarrassment. There's no other way to say it. And maybe they don't win the game, but losing is a part of sports, right? Except for soccer, you're going to have a winner and loser in every game. <laughs> and to me, I've always believed in, if, you're, if you're out there balling, giving your best, and you lose – that's going to happen, but there's no way they came even close to giving their best in that game. That was a D-minus effort. That was an embarrassment. And then they've turned it around through the strength of Colorado, and then they have the nice win in the Rose Bowl last week. But what does that mean this week? I'm not sure. If you want to go Oregon State, they've got an experienced quarterback, 
And Oregon, I said all along, I didn't believe in Oregon's quarterback. They've got a freshman kid out of Phoenix area, Thompson. He's their answer. But with Oregon, you are in such a win-now mode that it's playoffs or bust with the kind of money that Phil Knight dumps into that program that they can't afford to play a freshman. Even though it might be better for them in the long run, they can't afford it because they've got to win right now. And if they don't, it's a major, major issue. So if you want to go Oregon State, sure, I don't have any problem. I think that their loss to Purdue, in which they weren't very competitive, is a black mark, or at least score-wise, the Devils had a closer loss to a team that's ranked. So I think I would probably give them. Now, that's just, that's not projection. That's literally based on what we've seen on the field, right? And then I would, I would still consider Oregon, because they did lose in overtime, and that pass interference call was questionable at the end. I don't know that it was. I don't know that it wasn't, but they made the call. And then the, the, the Ducks still could have stopped Stanford from scoring on the next untimed play, or they still could have won it in overtime. So it's not like you can say that play cost them that loss. So I think probably right now, I think I'd go Oregon 1, Devils 2, Oregon State 3. But all of that is completely and totally subject to change by Saturday at 11 o'clock at night. So let's talk BYU-Boise State for a moment. I I guess the the starting quarterback certainly matters in the discussion, but uh, am I the only, I expect BYU to win big this weekend. Big, huh? Well, I mean big. I By, you know, maybe double digits, 10, 14. I mean, what, however you define big. I, I think BYU I, I would say that I go, I go like 20, maybe 17 or 20 big, uh, 10, between 10 and 17 comfortably. Uh, I'll go comfortably then. You think that's not out of the realm? biter down the stretch, or as DJ once goofed up and tried to insist he meant it, knuckle biter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Wang. <laughs> he has some dandies, doesn't he? <laughs> DJ's the best. Uh, sound like a Debbie. Uh, so, comfortably, I-, I can see it because Algier is an animal. He's My awesome. My goodness, he's good. You've got to give it up to him, and you got to give it up to that offensive line. Tell me the offensive line is intact, and I'll say it that I believe that they will win. And, and even if they even win comfortably, now the offensive line, they had a couple guys out, and uh, they still ran wild on the Aggies, especially when the Aggies knew full well what was coming because A-Rod obviously wasn't going to go and put the youngster in a position to lose the game. That just wasn't going to happen. If BYU wasn't going to win the game, it wasn't because Conover made mistakes. So the point being, everybody in their dog knew that BYU was going to run the ball. And they still were able to do it. And he still broke off long runs. And he showed finishing and closing speed. That's awesome. When you know something's coming and you still can't stop it and everybody in the stadium knows... And the, the co- every, literally everyone, and you still have success with it, that's domination right there. And Boise has had some issues there this year, uh, s- stopping the run and running the ball, which surprised me uh, because they went, what did they go, like eight, nine seasons without a with a 1,000-yard rusher? You have to throw out last year. Uh, but now this year they haven't been able to run the ball well, although they do have a receiver, Shakur, who I think I can argue is – the second best receiver that they will see all season with Drake London SC at the end of the season on Thanksgiving weekend being the best. 
I think Shakir, their receiver, it will be the best at receiver, unless I'm missing somebody, and I don't think I am. I mean, let me go through Utah's receiving list. No. Uh, wow. Th- uh, Not a candidate, huh? <laughs> you knew that was coming. Come on, argue with me. I dare you. Uh, that the, anybody that they face to date is better than that kid. Absolutely not. So they got to make sure they get a handle on him because he's really good. And Boise's had some good skill players over the years, and I think he's right there, if not better than anybody that they've had in recent memory in terms of NFL. We'll find that out in the coming years. But, yeah, I think they should be okay. Yeah, I, th- I think so, even if they go with, with Conover. And I don't want to report. It's not worth it to me to burn sources to, to say who's going to be the starting quarterback, and we can figure it out. I think it's somewhat obvious. That's why I was surprised last week that sources say that Baylor Romney was going to start. I thought, yeah, no kidding. I, knew, uh, I had said that two weeks earlier. Uh, I think that was the case. So they'll find ways to move the ball. Third-team quarterbacks have a way of beating Boise, don't they? Baylor Romney was mm, a couple of years ago. Mm, it's happened before. <laughs> yeah, and that was, uh, that was the first game that Aaron Roderick took over calling plays was two years ago. I know there was big discussion about it last year, whether he was or he wasn't. Well, I don't think that was a discussion because it happened two years. It happened the year before, and that was the first one that uh, A-Rod stepped in and, and took over and called the plays when Baylor Romney stepped in, and they beat an undefeated Boise team. At that time, they were undefeated. Yeah, they were headed to a New Year's Six game. They totally ruined their season that year. Yeah, yeah, they did. Which, of course, is what makes rivalries great, right? And BYU's going to have to decide some of these series and how they want to continue once they get to the Big 12. Yeah, they will, but, you know, who's to say? I, I, I absolutely know that the Big 12 wasn't content with just adding these four. And they're looking big. They've been talking to Power 5 teams, multiple Power 5 teams. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I don't know how that'll play out, but maybe Boise could get in. I would have loved to, I would love to see Boise in. Uh, the Big 12 because of that very reason to keep playing BYU every year. It's been a heck of a series. They've had a lot of fun games, and it is it is a rivalry. I've been up there for a number of games, and that town is is way excited when BYU comes to town. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, I asked Tanner uh, Mangum about that dynamic when he joined he's a us Boise on, guy. on Monday. Yeah, he, he's right in the thick of it. But yeah, I think it's unique, and uh, you know BYU's developed some a lot of unique relationships. I mean the the rivalry with Utah State has only gotten better uh, because of independence, which I don't think independence has been overall a huge positive for BYU football. But developing those relationships with those teams has certainly been a cool aspect. Well, we can debate that. What is a huge positive? I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. There's no question in my mind it was the right thing to do, especially at the time they did it. It was 100%. It grew a little stale, but I think that was reflective of the number of wins or lack thereof that the BYU football program was getting. Last year didn't seem to be stale, so it was more about the product had slipped rather than the independence and then being able to go uh, immediately, essentially, and not have to pay a buyout or not have to seek anybody's permission to go right into the Big 12, I think they scored. I think they scored big time. They got more money. And it's. I think if you would have told Tom Homo, you'll go through the decade that you did, and at the end of the decade, you'll get in the Big 12, even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, would you take it in 2010 when they announced it? I think he says absolutely yes. 
So I think it was the right thing to do at the time. Grew stale, but that was more reflective of the ineffectiveness of the team rather than the independence. And they managed, thankfully, to keep most of the time throughout last year, except for one year, play uh, Utah State, Boise, and Utah. I don't think they played Boise in the beginning. And then obviously they missed Utah the one season, got them next year in a bowl game, but have played. Utah State's the only team, and I looked this up, that they played every single season. So at least they had three pretty decent rivalries during that independence. I mean, it was fun to beat Middle Tennessee, I'll give you that, but still. And then they had some nice wins over big-name programs, Tennessee, SC, Michigan State. Those were nice. Wisconsin. This year, Wisconsin, Scott Gerard's finest call when I said I wasn't going to go to that game, and he ordered me to go, and then they win that game. I'm still stunned. Yeah, I'm stunned (laughs) to this day that they won that game. If I was Kalani, uh, until maybe Utah this year, I would say that was their biggest win as an independent, Yeah, arguably. Yeah, I would say so. Mm -hmm. You could say SC, but uh, I think uh, Wisconsin – the environment. I've been to a lot of different places around this country, fortunately, for work. And Wisconsin, Wisconsin's environment in Madison was as good or better. And I've been in Alabama, uh, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, blah, blah, blah. And Wisconsin, man, that was incredible. And they managed to win that game. That was awesome for them. All right, PK, you mind sticking around talking some jazz coming up next? I got all sorts of time, man. I basically have tomorrow until about 5.30 when I got to get ready to come into work. Man, I don't miss those hours on the early morning show, I got to admit. Oh, uh, well, Jake, see, now if Urban Meyer had a morning show, maybe he wouldn't have got himself in trouble because he <laughs> yeah. would have been had to get up early. <laughs> yeah, Something that is a said. good point. That is a good point. <laughs> uh, all right, PK, sticking around. We're talking jazz basketball next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. It is time to bring in Nick Ford right now, the youth center. I got to feel like your football team should be thinking, we got a legitimate chance here because it's so unpredictable to go down there and get the first win in the Coliseum. Yeah, exactly. We do understand that, and we understand we're getting the conference play, and that, you know, we need to really bite down and go as hard as we can and empty the tank because we are wanting to know the opportunity is still on the table. I think it was back in 2006, Green Bay talked about turning the table, and that's the same mentality we are right now. You know, sometimes you don't start off as hard as you like, but as long as that table gets turned in your favor and you continue to turn it, then you got to keep running with it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan hanging out with me here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, uh, how many concerts you been to lately? You, you been back on the concert scene? That's a that's a big uh, deal, you and Jackie. Yeah, uh, since it's, uh, August, I've been to three. I went to 311 last night, and outside of our guy Tim Lacombe's concert over the summer, that was the first one I've been to in a couple of years. It was fun. It was fun getting back at it. It's good to be back. I got a couple coming up the first weekend of November. My band, Old Dominion. That's what you do, going, buddy. Going to Vegas, and then the next night, seeing the Rolling Stones. How about that? You you jumped on that a long time ago, too. You've had your tickets to that for a while. 
Yeah, they're up in the nosebleeds. Who uh, cares? Because, uh, that's the best we could get. Old Dominion's got an album coming out. I think it's their fourth or fifth. And as I understand it, they are singing a song with Gladys Knight. Wow. How about that? Not the Pips. Just Gladys? Just Gladys. I don't know if the Pips are around anymore. Hmm. PK, uh, the Jazz will contend for a title this year if what? Oh, man. If what? If they play well? I mean, obviously, (laughs) do what they're supposed to do. Uh, stay healthy. Uh, That's the one a lot of people are going to, right? Yeah, I mean, healthy's the obvious one. Uh, but, yeah, I think that they have to prove something. As I, But that's nothing new. Every team has to prove something, man. I always like when they ask, you have anything to prove? No. Why not? I mean, I've got to prove something. I've been doing this show for 20 years with DJ, and i got to keep proving it, man. The audience doesn't care what your rep is. They care what you're giving them right now. And it's the same situation. It's why you know, I try my very best to try just as hard, if not harder, today than I did back when. Uh, so they've got players who are getting older. When does it slip? I watched James Worthy back uh, when, you know, the Lakers, which obviously we all agree were the best team ever. Hmm. Uh, I don't do know if you, if, if you have a brain, you do. And Magic Johnson was unbelievable. I don't know if you know that. Average but. at best. <laughs> but James Worthy, man, when it went, it was gonzo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was out of the league two years after Magic was forced to retire. Uh, so, and there's a little story on the day that Magic... Uh, announced, made his announcement. I was sitting in the newsroom, a sports room, and I got a call. Our guy is a guy named Mitch Chortkov. He was a legend who covered the Lakers for us. I got a call from somebody saying, hey, can I get a number of Mitch Chortkov? I'd like to get him on my show today. So took down the name, took down the number, the name of the guy who was calling. I just randomly picked up the phone because I was sitting there in the office like 2, 3 o'clock. It's Chris Tunis from Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, how about that? <laughs> yeah, so there you go. And anyway, two years later, Worthy was gone. So you've got some guys that are in their 30s. I don't think Joe Ingles is going to slip that much. I don't think Conley or Bogdanovich are either. But you don't know. I think one thing we've seen is as you get older, I think we saw last year with LeBron, uh, injuries uh, may not be – more prevalent, but I think that it's more of a uh, rehab time. It takes longer to come back. So how's that going to play in? I really like their chances, uh, but I don't necessarily believe their chances are overwhelming. I don't believe their chances are better than some than other teams. Now, certainly they're better than the Sacramento Kings and Memphis Grizzlies and all that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the legitimate contenders. Can I argue that they're better than the Suns? Well, they struggled against the Suns last year in the regular season, didn't have to play them in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, So are they better than them? I'm not sure. Don't think I can say. I can say as a fan and as a homer, yeah, they are, but they haven't proven it. But they should. They. The great thing about it, and Justin Zanuck has said this: this team was assembled with the idea to win a title. Going to be tough, man. But my mind, at least the way I look at it, I don't worry so much about the East. I worry about the West. I think they've got just as good, if not better, than anybody to come out of the West. I'd agree with that. 
the thing is, you look at how they played last year, PK, during that stretch where they won 21 and 23, and they were just creaming teams. I mean, they were by far the best team in the NBA during that stretch. And I realize it matters when you win it and when you're at your best and all those sorts of things. But, I mean, how do you recapture that at the right time? Because if they're playing like that going into the playoffs, I mean, that, that makes a huge difference. Sure, if you're at that level and everything is cooking, the regular season is so stinking long with the amount of games that they play, so it's hard to say. I don't know that they'll win as many games as they did last year, even with playing the regular schedule of 82. I can't can't guarantee that. I think they will. I don't think as far as uh, percentage-wise, they may have the same winning percentage as last year. But a lot depends on what's going on around you in the conference. And you don't need to have a better record percentage-wise than you did last year to get out of the West. As you say, they need to be balling at the right time. And I think they will because, or they'll give it their best shot for sure, because they have everything right in front of them. I don't think there'll be any mystery as far as what they want to accomplish and how to go about accomplishing it. Does it mean that they will but they have everything is right laid out. They don't really have, wow, that surprised me. I didn't see that coming type of thing. I don't really see that. I think everything that they accomplish will be a part of the plan that they expect to and the way to go about it. You know what I mean? As I'm, what I'm trying to get at, I'm roundabout. I don't think they need the first 20 games or so to experiment. Right about find themselves who they are. Now, yeah, putting Whiteside in, and then when Gay comes back from his heel injury, incorporating them. But I don't think that they're important role players, but I don't think that they have a lot of mystery. I think those two should know. And then what, what do they do with Conley? You know, Locke has been talking about sitting out the back ends because he doped out the schedule, the back ends of back-to-backs because it's tougher and the first game would be easier. No, my mindset is then sit him out the first game because if you play the tougher team the second game, go get them. I like to be more aggressive rather than try to backdoor things. Like I said last year, I thought Donovan Mitchell should be first-team All-NBA. DJ says to me, who are you going to leave out? And I said, no, who else are you going to put on? That's the way I think. I love the way you think, PK. Um, hey, do you want to stick around and do the Not Sports Report? It's a funny bit of sound. You want to think of, think about this for me for a second, PK, and, yeah, and we'll answer ahead. your comeback. If you were to win the Powerball lottery today, what would what would be the uh, what would you spend your money on? So think about that, and we'll get to it coming up next. Okay, stay tuned. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Big Show, Jake Scott with you, Patrick Kinahan as well. It's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. All right, PK, I, I had you think about this during the break. If you were to win the Powerball today, what would you spend your money on? How much is the Powerball today? I don't know. What is it, Lloyd? It's like $600 million or something crazy? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, like well. real crazy money. Obviously, ten percent off the top, right? And then, <laughs> would you laugh at that for? I don't, I don't know. It's just funny that that's where you go. That's really. It's like fifty uh, percent off the top. Yeah, right. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, pay off debts and pay off families' debts. See what uh, a financial advisor, Trajan Wealth, by the way, TrajanWealth.com. Uh, com. Yeah. See what they say. What do I need, do my wife and I need to live to, I'm a simpler person. She has bigger dreams. And so what do we need money-wise to realize those bigger dreams, And which is obviously travel. You know, I have uh, two grandfathers, obviously, and one came from Ireland and the other came from Italy. So that would be the home countries for me, and that would be a goal, of course, to go there. All right, and and to see those things. This far, but both grandfathers came over from their respective countries, and their names are on the walls at Ellis Island. You can go. I've looked it up and been there and all that stuff. So uh, that's important. My wife is actually so I'm a second generation American. My wife is just a first generation American. Her father, born and raised in Switzerland. And she's been to Switzerland a number of times. I've never been to Europe. Mm, me either. So uh, she would want to reestablish that and go where her memories are. Her mother, well, all four of our parents are deceased. Her mother grew up in Detroit. And we went back there and saw the houses and the places where my mother, my mother-in-law went to the same high school as Bob Seeger. Hey, how about uh, that? Bob is younger than uh, she was, but uh, to give you an idea. So uh, we've done that, and I think she would like to show me. And I've taken her where my parents were, and uh, which is New Jersey, obviously. I've said that a time or two. And I think she would like to take me to where he grew up. She's been there. I have not. All right. Uh, so those types of things. And I've got uh, sisters, and they each have one kid, and try to help them. And Man, you're a better person than me. I was like, well, that, that that's kind of like cash, a, though? That's like a great answer, and you're a good person. Because you know what I'd do? <laughs> what? I'd hire a butler. That'd be my first thing. I'd want a butler. And now here's the caveat. I want that butler to be Lloyd. And so I would pay him just enough money that he couldn't say no. And then, and you know what? he can't refuse? They, exactly. And then I've got Lloyd uh, doing my bidding uh, from here on out. Okay, but would so Lloyd say, forget too. you? I did, yeah. What? Maybe Lloyd would say, screw you. It's better to have my dignity than to have your cash. Oh, his dignity Absolutely. has a price. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yes, you know what I'd do? I'd what? cut out my entire family. I just like completely, yeah. I'd go, I'd go Aaron Rodgers, and I just completely <laughs> oh, cut him off. It's like, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because then you have power over them. That's true. You could settle old scores, old family yeah, scores. Yeah, I mean, you have all these people <laughs> sucking up to you, left and right, because you would then have the power. Uh, you would have the freedom of big money. I'm sure I got family and, listening. I was just kidding. And, and that means everybody then, everything you say is absolutely brilliant. 
But can you imagine getting up in the morning, uh, PK, and the the first thing you do is is say, "Lloyd, make my breakfast." I mean, yeah, doesn't I'm that sound? Safer, I'm going to say, forget you. Sound pretty good. Yeah, I think Lloyd's dignity around. is worth more than being a servant to you. I'd find yeah, that PK. price. <laughs> I'd find that price. No, I don't know. I don't know. You, it would be at least half of your stash, and that wouldn't be worth it. Lloyd would realize. See, he actually has the power because that's something you want extremely bad. So then Lloyd would keep driving up the price. And before you know it, you would outprice yourself. It's like Chris Hill was determined to hire Kyle Whittingham, and BYU's sitting over there saying, "We'll give you this cash, Kyle." And Chris Hill's just like, "Well, we got to keep raising it, raising it, raising it." And he kept raising it, raising it, raising it. Meanwhile, BYU was holding steady, and so that's what Lloyd would do. Lloyd would be Kyle and walk away with a lot more cash, and he would keep raising it. To where he would have so much cash that once he got your cash, he'd tell you where to stick your cash. You became my butler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, listen to this. Let's play this clip of, of uh, some random guy who was uh, talked to by a television reporter and his answer. You bought your ticket. What are you going to do with that money if you win? Well, I'm definitely going to get a, a new supercharged Mustang with dual exhaust and about five kilos of cocaine, and I'll be good to go. Okay, so you like cars. You like cars. <laughs> I don't like cars. I don't know what I would do with all of that money. I would have to sit on it, pray on it for a day, figure out what I want to do with it. But, Doug, back to you. I mean, it. it Oh, so you like cars. Did he say cocaine? He did. He said he'd buy a Mustang with dual exhaust and five kilos of cocaine. Dual exhaust and about five kilos of cocaine. Okay, and she totally just ignored the cocaine. Glossed right over it. Went right okay, okay, I just want to make sure I was listening, yeah. <laughs> she just completely and totally oh. ignored the drug reference. My goodness gracious, man. So you like cars, you like cars. <laughs> I don't like cars, I don't know what I would do with all that money. <laughs> what about the coke, ma'am? Didn't you catch that part? Just ignore it, 100%. Dual That's exhaust classic. and about five kilos of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, oh, you're into cars. Oh, okay. Back to you guys. Kind of felony. <laughs> Once she, when she just focused on the cars, I thought to myself, did I hear that right? As far as what he wants to buy? Oh, my goodness. Who would say that? Oh, Jeez. man, that's so funny. Cars and Coke, man. The double C's and away you go. A Mustang. A new supercharged Mustang with dual exhaust and about five kilos of cocaine. And I'll be good to go. Okay, so you like cars. You like cars. <laughs> I don't like cars. I don't know what I would do with uh, oh, that's What so the funny. heck? I have no idea what kilos of cocaine are. I, mean, I just. It know. sounds like a lot to me. Yeah, is it? I, I, I don't think know. So. What, I think it's a what, lot. When you're, I, how much would the person, the average cocaine user, use in a given day? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, what is that? I think a lot less than five kilos. Would it be? I, 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 don't I mean, know. I, I certainly wouldn't have any clue. Uh, but I love how she just. Uh oh, I'm just gonna ignore that puppy. <laughs> you like cars? <laughs> the dual uh, exhaust and about five kilos of cocaine, and I'll be good to go. No, you wouldn't, man, because you'd be driving in a car uh, <laughs> intoxicated on cocaine. 
Oh, that's so funny. That is bizarre, man. Where'd you find that one? <laughs> it's it's going around the internet today. Okay. Uh, it's, I don't know. Somebody said this. Uh, I clicked on a link. It said video clip of the year. And I went through it, and I was like, wow, I got to agree. And it's, that was a live television report? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was like now we gotta. Uh, you see fun. the anchor like like just barely briefly when she's throwing back to him. He's like, like confused. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, oh, she throws it back to the studio. Yeah, she's back, back to you guys. It, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> our guy. Uh, it's kind of like our guy David James in the audio that we've lost. That I it, this might be the one piece of audio if I could find it again, I would. When uh, DJ's doing a live hit with two high school football teams yeah, in front yeah, of yeah, the yeah. studio, oh, sure. and he's there. They're going. Now we got a water fight. Now we got a food yeah. fight. Now we got a real fight. Back yeah. to you inside. Let's go back inside. And he was all just just Disgusting. furious. Well, I, I assume we're going to be having to make some shifts here coming up. And we better not lose. You don't sound like a Debbie. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of these other ones, like when uh, we're talking about Marshall Falk and the guy says yeah. that he should have named. He wanted to name his kid after. He wanted to name his uh, son Hugh after Falk. Thought about it. You should have. Hugh, Ma- uh, Marshall, uh, you, yeah, Marshall, you. <laughs> no, no, DJ, you don't really no. sound like a Debbie. Well, I've been one for a long time. <laughs> Which right. was the absolute, absolute classic. Oh man, I love our guy David James. He's the best. Well, I've been one for a long time. <laughs> Which is a great line, by the way. Oh, she doesn't miss a beat. No, yeah. yeah. No, Debbie was on it. <laughs> you don't really sound like a Debbie. Oh, my goodness. Oh. How could you possibly do that to one of our faithful listeners <laughs> who's calling in? <laughs> you question her gender like that. Oh, you don't really sound like a Debbie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> hey, PK, real quick before we let you go, uh, we're going to hear your interview this morning with Hannah Storm. Give us a little tease. What was that interview like? That's a big oh, hit, by yeah, the way. She, you know, we only had her for 10 minutes, and she had a ton of personality. Her husband is named Dan Hicks, who does the golf, and he's a University of Arizona grad. So I told her, I said, Hannah, this is very difficult for me to talk to you because I don't like you. And I thought I was a little unsure about how she would play along, but she played along big time. Absolutely spectacular. one. I'd love to have her on. Uh, more and there's so much more to talk to her about and she's calling a game in the NFL on Amazon with Andrea Kramer and for the average white male that may not mean anything but for females who want to break in the business that's groundbreaking and she's been doing it and plus it gives you an identity it, it, it allows you to say if you're a female well XYZ female, females, Holly Rowe, whoever it might be, they've done it. There's a pathway for me. And I think that's important for everyone to have role models. And Hannah Storm's a role model in that way. Well, that's why I wanted to play it because I saw you guys had her on this morning. She's a legend. I mean, she's just, uh, she's, she's had an amazing career. So that's a huge kit for you guys. So I wanted to hear that coming up next. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. All right, PK. Hey, thank you uh, for sticking around, man. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Sure. All right, Patrick Kinahan here tomorrow morning with David James, 6 to 10, here on the 97.5 and 12.8 of the Zone. We'll hear from Hannah Storm next, right here on the Zone Sports Network.